For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If I can get you to comply and do what I want you to do, whether it's through manipulation tactics, bullying, coercion, even violence or threats of violence, then I get to maintain power and control over whatever it might be, whether it's a classroom or uh, a city or your, your family even, or something at work or this country. That power is so alluring that we will attempt in every way to subjugate people. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today, author, podcaster, veteran, Order of Men's Ryan Mickler. How's it going, buddy? What's up? What's up, man? We did it. We did one yesterday, so it's good to run it back today. Well, that was a different... That's a different situation <laughs> over there. With that's diff- That's different from anything. Like, there's <laughs> nothing quite like that. So I, I've literally made uh, Dave Rubin blush on that show, which is one is of that right? Like, of all the shit, <laughs> I've done a lot of cool shit in my life, and I've accomplished a couple of things. But the thing that I'm most proud of is making Dave Rubin blush. Honestly, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff, it's wild. It, it it was good though. I enjoy it. It's at it's definitely outside of my comfort zone, so it's good for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're uh, we're if anything, we're helping you. I think is what it is. I, I'm I'm getting better every day, <laughs> getting better by going on your guys' shows. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate, but let's uh, let's get we'll, into this. We'll run with that. Yeah. So this show, uh, I, I don't know how much. I, I I think we sent you over the perspectives and everything, but yeah, <clears throat> the general idea is. And it's something that, you know, I've been doing for a while without, you know, saying it out loud. And and what a a lot of people, including yourself, have been focusing on, there's a lot of a lot of negativity in the world, generally speaking, especially in the West, I guess, maybe not especially in the West, but especially for us, because we're in the West, we experience that the most. There's a lot of dumb shit that happens on a day to day basis. Um, The erosion of family and American values, generally speaking, um, a lot of people in power who take advantage of other people and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a lot of people have made careers off of pointing that out. And look, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that. But what we didn't want to be is just another voice, you know, screaming in the wilderness about how fucked up everything is, because who who are we helping if we're doing that? So, you know, we want yeah, to it becomes a bit of an echo chamber for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, the, the net result is just more negativity unless, you know, you're providing some kind of solution based uh, uh, effort. So yourself, um, Chris Williamson is a guy that I think does it really well. Um, yeah. Maj Torre with uh, uh, Black Guns Matter does it really well. Like he actually does stuff to help the community and stuff like that. So. Right. That's what right. this show is, you know, and we, we organize it around these 11 principles that, you know, you've seen the audience is very familiar with, but even more so than just the principles, we, we've organized it around this idea that you can either be a subject under rule and whine about your rights all the time, or you can secure your rights by, uh, uh, you know, taking care of your responsibilities and you can be a citizen. Those are the two mm-hmm. choices I think you have in, in in a modern republic. And one of the bigger issues, I think, is the way we treat men and the, and what we as men expect from, from ourselves and from other men. You know what I mean? 
Uh, uh, sure. So tell, tell us a little bit about yourself first and, and how you got into all this. Yeah, I was probably the former, the type of guy that you're talking about. Um, I was raised primarily by my mother. My dad really wasn't in the picture. Um, the father figures that I did have weren't great role models for me. So I carried a lot of that baggage, even till today. Like I've been doing a lot of just trying to figure out myself, like really get deep into my own insecurities over the past couple of months. And I'm even realizing things about myself that I didn't know that I buried down forever or I latched on to some unhealthy perspective of, of masculinity or some unhealthy coping mechanisms that make me reliant on other people for external validation. A lot of stuff I'm, I'm even uncovering now, and I've been in this space, so to speak, for seven years. I've written books on it. I've done you know 900 podcasts with quote unquote manly men trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, frankly, I've put myself in the position of, of, of leadership and trying to tell people what would be helpful for them. And I'm like, damn, I, I don't even have this stuff figured out. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on a path, man, trying to figure out what it means to be a man, how I can be a value add to my community, how I can serve my family, how I can serve people who would look to me for leadership. Um, and it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. It's been ups and downs and highs and lows, but man, I'm glad to be here. I feel like it's like I tell people it's like that Rogaine commercial, you know, those old Rogaine where it's like, I'm not only the president, I'm I'm a client. Bro. That's uh that's the hair club for men. Is that what it is? Yeah. Hair club for men. Yeah. yeah. I that's remember me, that. dude. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. That's me. I'm like, I'm not only the founder of Order of Man, I'm the biggest recipient and I'm the guy that needs it more than anybody else. So sure. and I'm just trying to figure it out myself. Well, you know, Gandhi said the if you truly want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I actually talked about this on the last show I did, but it's it's easy to see that as like a platitude or some woo-woo bullshit, you know, but uh, and it's not just from the pers- it's not just an altruistic thing like, yeah, I'm going to help people and through helping people, I'll help myself. That is literally how human civilization is designed to operate. You know what I mean? Like we need yeah. each other. We need each other. And um you know, if you want to, if you want to reduce it to mechanics, think of identifying a problem in your own life or a problem in society that affects you and trying to solve that for others as a means of solving it to yourself, almost as workshopping or outsourcing or crowdsourcing the problem, right? Like you're getting a larger data set. You're getting a lot of people's opinions. You're bouncing ideas off of each other. You're actually trying things in the space and seeing what works and what doesn't work and coming to not only a better understanding of how to get the job done, how to make it work, but also a better understanding of the people that are around you. Right. So not only do you have the understanding of how to make things work, but you have a fundamental understanding of the, of the issues involved, which means when things change down the road, you still have that base of information that you can operate from and, and, you know, solve new problems. Well, and one of the things I found, let, let me talk about a trap I've identified okay. that I've fallen into over the past couple of years. Uh, and that is that, yeah, I started Order of Men with the goal of trying to figure out some things with myself, but mm-hmm. also, like you said, in service to other men who I knew were going through a lot of the same issues. And I think it's very easy when you start to to have some level of success to believe that you're the Messiah, right? That that you, you're like, oh, I'm here to save everybody else. And all of a sudden what started is humility, which is I want to serve people, becomes pride and arrogance, which means I have served others. Look how great I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, pride comes before the fall and mm-hmm. something happens in our own personal life or we deal with some stuff uh, that life inevitably throws at us. And we realize, as I have over the years, that I'm not the Messiah and, mm. and I am not God's gift to the men I'm trying to serve. I'm, I'm the guy that needs the most help. Uh, and, but then the other cool thing I've noticed is as I go through my own baggage and my own bull crap is I can literally look at what I've been able to create over seven years and say, holy cow, there's the path. Mm. Like I, I got, I've got this new book coming out. We talked about it on our podcast yesterday, the masculinity manifesto. Bro, I'm telling you, it, it, one of the most painful things I've done is reading that book for the audio version of the book, because as I read it, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not doing that. Oh, man, I'm not good in that department. Oh, crap, I failed there. Oh, man, I need work there. And I felt like a hypocrite as I read the dang thing. 
like the whole thing. I'm like, man, I struggle in all of this stuff. And so I feel hypocritical on one hand. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, well, that's actually true though. Like what I wrote, even though I may fail to live up to that, that's actually accurate. Oh, that, that exercise or that strategy or that thought that, yeah, that's accurate. And now I have this path or this framework that's proven to work for other men. And now I've just got to implement it in my own life. So I created the solutions to my own problems before I realized they were even problems. Right. And that's kind of, I mean, how, but you were in the military. How is that different from a PCC or a PCI, right? Like you do, you, you have, right. you have these inspections and checks that, um, I mean, there's a reason there's a bomb threat checklist next to every phone in the government. You know what I mean? L- literally laminated to the table, uh, because no matter how good you are at something, you have blind spots. I think pride is probably one of the bigger blind spots for people. Totally. Pride, fear, things like that, but certainly pride in this case. And, you know, having it all laid out like that is super helpful. I think it's why, you know, your work has been successful. Uh, people like Jordan Peterson, you know, pe- having a list with concrete examples of how to behave, you know what I mean? is it, it's not just beneficial for the reader. I believe it is beneficial for the author as well. Now, not everybody's going to be an author, obviously, because, well, maybe they will. Fuck, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> it's a lot of work, I'll tell you that, that much, and you, you know that it personally. Is. But um, not everybody's going to be an author, but you can be the author of your own life. You know what I mean? You, oh, they, yeah, you, definitely. You shouldn't be waiting back for things to happen to you. You know what I mean? You should be out there looking proactively for uh, uh, opportunity to improve yourself. And this is one of, one of the ways is to what, like with Andy Frisella, the 75 hard thing, challenge yourself with stuff. And you're right. going right. to, you're going to find out things about yourself, uh, that will help you, but also will help other people. And, and this is what Gandhi meant by this. Like you're, you're the living example by you trying to, by you identifying and trying to solve a problem for other people, you have effectively, created a device in per, in perpetuity that will help you solve your problems as well. This is exactly what the man was talking about. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you were talking about some of these acronyms. I've been, it's been a long time since I've been in the military, but like, what would you say? PCM or PCs? PCC or, I can't pre, remember. Pre-combat PCC. check and pre-combat yeah. inspection. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wrote down a word here that we need to make sure we remember is preventative. Mm. Prevent Like that, that's the, that's the problem that we fall into is we start buying our own bull crap and then we don't do these preventative types of, of checks and maintenance and evaluation. And we only evaluate after something happens. It's like, bro, do you, and I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm talking to myself. It's like, mm. bro, you should have been doing this the entire time. Right. And if you wouldn't, would have, you wouldn't have found yourself in this position, but you do because you didn't do this preventative stuff that you should have been doing all along. Yeah. Well, I think that's the difference for me, at least as um, somebody who both, uh, uh, commentates on, you know, both political and social stuff and somebody who is a, a, I guess a consumer of people who do that as well. The people that I really respect are the ones who, you know, are using this as a device for themselves as well. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, what, what do we say? Uh, sweat and, uh, Sweat and training prevents blood and shed in combat. That's a that's a very popular mm. phrase, and yeah. uh, but it's not a new phrase. You know what I mean? Like a, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That I believe that comes from the Middle Ages. So it's like people have been thinking about this shit for a very long time, um, and there may not be any new novel discoveries to be made. I, I think the if you just based your life on Greek and Roman philosophy, to be honest you could probably get by pretty well. You know what I mean? Like we seem to have this, yeah. tr- this, this tendency to unlearn and unsolve problems that we've solved. But the reality is that we just had the, 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 the goal for modernity is to f- take these classic lessons, in my opinion, anyways, to take these classic lessons. And your job is to try to find ways to make them fit with modernity. You know what I mean? Like, well, how right. do I, how do I apply these lessons from the Stoics to my life today. I can't just wander off into the woods somewhere and start ignoring everybody. I've got a life to live. I've got a family. I need to do that. That actually things. sounds pretty good. Well, though. it does. Yeah. But <laughs> like it's, it ain't going to work. No, of course not. So, I mean, eventually somebody's going to come find you and that's why, you know, that, that, that's why, you know, people like us exist, but 
you know, it's an, it is interesting. I think that we've, we've kind of shifted from a discovery phase in human philosophy and psychology into an application phase. And I'm not sure everybody is keen on that. I don't know if people are really aware of what's happening because a lot of people feel like they're still in the discovery phase. And I think that is producing a lot of people who are like career students, which is, there's nothing wrong with it. You should always be learning, but career students of politics and philosophy and ethics, but they're not as nearly as engaged in the process of actually affecting the world around them as they should be. Right. So I think this live and let live attitude that people like you and me and a lot of others have, it's probably outlived its usefulness because now there are bad actors all over the place trying to dissolve what's important to us. Well, I think what's, I, I actually might take a little bit of issue with that okay. in that I think there were some great men that have come before who have applied a lot of these lessons, which is why we have the things that we do technology, the ease of modernity, like you're talking about these creature comforts. I got my fan going right now. I got these lights and this technology here where you're, you're in Texas, I'm in Maine. Like we're basically, but it feels like we're in the same room or even just rooms next door to each other. I mean, some amazing things mm -hmm. that we didn't earn for ourselves that that's the problem is that we have all of this ease of modernity that we didn't earn for ourselves and we get to reap the benefit of somebody else's hard work. And now we can sit around on our asses and just utilize what somebody else created without sure. having to go out and earn it. So the problem to me is that people did apply a lot of what was being learned, hard work, resilience, sacrifice, commitment, dedication, and now I don't need to do any of that. Sure. I just get to sit back and be that perpetual student like you're talking about or have somebody else pay my mortgage. Well, it and seems that, like that. is the biggest it, problem. But it seems like that, right? It seems like we don't have anything left to do, but it's very clear to me that we do have plenty Absolutely. to do, right? Absolutely. Well, it's the, the trick is that we have so much to lose. Like, where our backs aren't really against the wall. And so we become complacent. Mm -hmm. And yet if we wake up, there's actually a lot that you can do and a lot that you should do. People occasionally will message me and say, oh, you know, I wish I had your job. You just sit around and talk to cool people or dink around on social media. I'm like, bro, you can have my job. Like, you just create it. Seven years ago when I started talking about this stuff, it wasn't my job. It was something that I created that that people of course helped me along the way and technology you know and, and i utilized and harnessed the right resources and tools but that was me like you're saying going out and doing something that was useful enough that it became my my career and occupation and we've been handsomely rewarded for doing so not only because we're helping people but now you know we have a profitable business in the thing. sure yeah uh yeah and it kind of uh this this brings me to the first of the principles i wanted to to wedge into this show today and it's I'll put more into this country than I take out of it. And it's, um, you know, kind of based on the boy scout, leave things better than how you found them. Not, not as good as you found them, but better than you better. found them. Right. And that's, I, I think that's the critical difference. We we're, we're kind of just coasting right now on the momentum of our, of our ancestors. And, uh, it's rapidly, rapidly slowing down like our progress is rapidly like i i don't mean pro progress like progressivism i mean our progress as a species is slowing down because of that and <clears throat> i want to talk to you I, I want you to talk about this in the context of what's going on with men in society today right and and from the from uh you know a three-year-old boy until adulthood it's not it, it's not focused on one generation or another it's a it's an onslaught, you know, for lack of a better phrase. So, uh, yeah, I'll put more into this country than I take out of it. What does that mean to you? Well, I, I think what's happening is that there's the powers that would be primarily the government. And then there's other actors or institutions, um, whether it's academia or public school system, even the medical community that have got media that have gotten in on this and perpetuated this idea that big, big government or big daddy will take care of you. And that that's that to me is the biggest issue is like, hey, 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 don't you know, don't strain yourself. Don't exert yourself. If if you aren't doing what you know you should be doing, it's OK. We get it. Life is hard. It's a challenge. There's struggles. You've been oppressed. You've been victimized. You've been this. You don't have that opportunity. And so just sit back and we'll take care of it. And so if you promote this idea from the time that you're a child and you start going into uh 
public, the public school system, for example, and you grow up believing that somebody's going to rescue you, somebody's going to save you. If you get into trouble, you're not going to have to deal with any consequences. I mean, why would you exert yourself? Because exerting yourself is painful. It's hard work. It takes effort. We've got an event this weekend that we're doing and I'm like, my hat's dusty. My shirt's kind of dusty. I don't do hard laborious work by any stretch of the imagination, but we're out there cleaning up my barn and vacuuming it all up. And my kids are out there and they're like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, Hey, if you want to go to the fair today, like this is how you earn your ride wristband. It's like right. you come out here and you vacuum and you pick stuff up and you set up tables and you set up chairs. And this is what we do, but it's not easy to do that stuff. The, but the downside is that you don't receive any of the benefit. Mm. You know, when you talk about, I'm going to put more into this country than I take out of it, that's not entirely selfless because when you actually put more into something, you get more out of it. Yeah, you get imagine more that. pride, imagine satisfaction. That. Well, I give you a small, small, silly example. Um, I've, I've got quite a bit of property, my family and I do, and, and I walk every single morning. I get up and I go walk. And around the property is exactly one mile if I stay on the perimeter of the property. It's exactly one mile around. And as I walk, I find trash. You know, I might mm. find a, a beer can or a trash bag or a Taco Bell bag or whatever that just because it's on near the side of the road that kind of blows onto the property. And I used to just walk by and just like step over it because <laughs> like, I didn't want to pick it up. It's like, just step over it. You know, it'll blow onto somebody else's property or whatever. Mm. And even just over the past three, four, five months, every time I walk, man, I picked that up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's my, it's not only is it my property, it's like, I don't want it to blow onto somebody else's property. I'd like this area to look nice. And it's a small, silly example of making something better than you found it. But then when you throw all that trash in the trash can, there's a sense of pride and satisfaction. Sure. Your property looks good. You feel useful, mm -hmm. not like a sack of shit, but that you actually did something useful and productive and you gave back and you contributed. And then when I go out into the field, you know, my wife, she's got this, this zero turn. She drives her, drives around and loves the thing when she goes out and she maintains the field, it looks so beautiful. We can go out there and really enjoy what we've created because her and I have put so much effort and work into the property. Yeah. I think it's a combination of like, um, broken window theory, which is a criminology yeah. theory that like, if, if you keep things looking nice and take care of them, then people will treat them nicely. Right. That's part mm -hmm. of it. And the other part of it is the Ikea effect, which is, um, this psychological principle that's proven people are more likely to take personal ownership of something, uh, to feel purpose in doing it or being around it or whatever it is, if they assemble even just the last 20% of it, right? Like if you, mm. if you send me all the parts and I just build it at home myself, I feel like I built that, you know what I mean? Even though hmm. I only did the very last part of it and you know, these things play a big role. The, the people ask me a lot, you know, over the years, what's the purpose of this or what's the purpose of that? I think what the, one of the more fundamental questions in life is what's the purpose of life and the purpose of life is purpose. You know what I mean? Like I hate to be, <sighs> I, I hate to do that. I hate to use a word in its own definition, but the purpose of life is indeed purpose. And it's going to be some kind like if you're the purpose of masculinity is to provide and protect, right? There's a lot of different Agreed. ways to do that. You can protect people by building, by being an engineer and, and building infrastructure, by being a doctor and developing medicine or treating people, by being a soldier, by being a cop, by being a statesman, you know, that helps protect against existential threats. There's all kinds of ways to do that. There's all kinds of ways to provide hunting, gathering, uh, cooking, all sorts of stuff like that. Or even in the economy as a finance person, making sure our economy is doing well, you're providing there as well. There's a lot of ways to do it, but the purpose is to find how you, with your particular experience and skill set, and also what you enjoy doing, because that's important. You don't want to fucking be ice skating uphill your whole fucking life. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> right. That's gonna right. suck. But you, this is this is very clearly the purpose of life. But we've we've we have rapidly shifted over the last like thirty years into this self care. Pat myself on the back. Oh, I did a good job today. Uh, I'm going to take a mental health day bullshit, which I think is it, it is the most poisonous attitude that you could possibly have in a culture, to be honest, because it, it diverts your attention from <clears throat> using everything. Like, I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in shit, but I do believe that whatever you are, whatever you are capable of, you are responsible to do for other people, whatever it is. 
uh, uh, because that's how society works. I wonder why we taught kids. You, you mentioned it before. Why did we teach kids that the system is there for them to lean on and that somebody's going to be there to save them instead of teaching them that it's their responsibility to be part of the infrastructure that saves everybody else. You know what I mean? Like that might seem yeah. like a, a subtle distinction, but it's really important to me because it's a difference between all of society focusing on me and then me focusing on all of society. This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Go to blackriflecoffee.com and help yourself to some of the best coffee in the world. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated company that uh, supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Here's how it works. You go to the coffee club site, sign up for the coffee club. You choose your favorite roast, if you like light, dark, medium, whatever it is. Choose uh, the grind, whether you want ground coffee, whole bean, and grind it yourself, or coffee rounds, which work with uh, Keurig. And then you choose your delivery schedule, which is 7, 14, 21, 30 days, and so on. In addition to being able to uh, customize your coffee club, you're also going to get free shipping on all those orders, and you get access to exclusive partner discounts. Uh, you also get first looks at a lot of new merch and things like that. So to get 20% off your first order, use the code CITIZEN at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Sign up for that coffee club. Next up, we got GhostBed.com. You know them, you love them. It's our favorite company. In the whole world right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, the pillows, the sheets, the uh, mattress toppers, the protector, all that stuff, anything else you want, or the bundle, or I'm sorry, the, the mattress or the base uh, by itself, use the code Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinkingbros. You're getting 30% off that. So 40% off for the bundle. 30% off everything else using the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Uh, if you break it down, you can get a whole, you can get your mattress and your bedroom suite for like 35 bucks a month because they have a zero down 0% financing plan that extends up to 60 months. That's five years, folks. Go check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. I, I think there's two reasons. So let's hit them both. Number one, comfort. It's way easier to get people to conform than it is to actually have to teach them how to live their lives. So let me give you an example. Your kids may be acting up, acting out, um, being a kid, you know, being a little jerk maybe or whatever. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they're screaming, throwing a temper tantrum. And you need them to get You need them to clean their room. And so you tell them, hey, I need you to clean your room. And they're like, well, I don't want to clean my room. And they throw a hissy fit and they start back talking you. And what do you say? Because I said so. So you get them to conform, right? And you can get them to conform by dangling something over them, whether it's a reward uh, or you threaten to take something away, like mm -hmm. you're going to be restricted or no electronics or whatever that might be. And all of a sudden you get them to toe the line. So now you're getting compliance from them because you can hold something over them, but you're not getting commitment. You're not getting buy-in on that. Sure. Versus actually sitting down and explaining why we want to have a clean room, why we want to take, take pride in our, in our things, why it's important to have a clean room because you can find the things that you need. And so it's like way harder to actually teach people to think for themselves and to critically analyze scenarios than it is just to say, just do it. So that's number one. We're lazy. That's it. Number two, which is much more nefarious, is power. If I can get you to comply and do what I want you to do, whether it's through manipulation tactics, bullying, coercion, even violence or threats of violence, then I get to maintain power and control over whatever it might be, whether it's a classroom or uh, a city or your, your family even, or something at work or this country. That power is so alluring mm. that we will attempt in every way to subjugate people, but we can't come out and just do it blatantly and just say, no, you're going to comply or else. So we create these little systems of getting people to toe the line and do what they're supposed to do and color within the lines and sit down and shut up. And it's, uh, it's very hard to detect at times and very easy to detect at others, what people mm. are doing, but that's, what's happening. Yeah. For we're sure. lazy and we're power hungry. Yeah. It's uh, you know, Primary education 
in America for at least the last hundred years has been specifically designed towards that end, right? Of course. Um, Rockefeller and Henry Ford had a big part to play in that um, through, you know, a lot of the economic foundation of the early 20th century was uh, these two guys, you know, kind of battling back and forth with labor movements. And uh, but Rockefeller was pretty clear that we don't want a, a, a brilliant, educated, independent workforce. We want people who are just smart enough to run the machines who are making just enough money to buy our products back from us. Right. And hmm. if you look at public education, it is designed specifically to spit out compliant workers, not thinkers, right. not innovators, compliant workers. Uh, think about, uh, I, if your kids ever went to public school, I don't know if they did. I assume they don't now. Um, they don't now, but they did. So if you had gone to a parent teacher conference at some point and you say, is my child a good student? And the teacher says, yes. The implication is that they're quiet, right? They do what they're Mm -hmm. told. They do their work on time, but nothing about, you know, oh, they, they, uh, uh, always come with a fresh perspective or they challenge my, my way of thinking because they're really, you know, uh, analytical and critical, uh, 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 or skeptic or what or skeptical or whatever. Like those are the things that you need to be, but those are things that will get you in trouble in a fucking public classroom. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, it, it, it doesn't make sense that we do that, but it makes sense why it happens. And, and, and I've heard people, cause I've been openly critical about the public school system, but I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, teachers, not all teachers are bad and, and all this. I agree. I don't, I don't, I think the overwhelming majority of teachers truly want to help students. Mm. They, they have noble intentions. They, they do care about their kids. Like, I agree with all that, of course, but where did these people learn what they, their operating systems for life in the public school system? Well, you can talk they went to through uh, the same thing. Yeah. You can talk to Corey DeAngelis about this and about the higher education The higher education that primary educators go to, and how they are basically like lobotomy factories that teach them a specific way of education that you know promotes a lot of the weird shit that you know people across the country in school board meetings have been fighting back against, but also just what you're talking about, which is, in my opinion, it's just from from the educator's perspective. I think it's either it's it's laziness or incompetence or fear of doing something different. That's really what it is. And it's I, from a from a from their perspective, I, I understand it because the entire weight of the or the weight of the entire system is working against them to do the right thing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of peer pressure in that to conform a certain way. But it is interesting because it's a vocal minority that mm-hmm. controls the pressure. Sure, that, yeah. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, and I don't know what the number is, but you could have 10 or 15 or maybe even 20, which I think is high percent of school teachers advocating some of these woke ideologies. And then the rest of the people, the 80 percent are like, OK, well, I guess we better. No, screw that. Yeah. Like we're not going to it. But that peer pressure, man, or that that fear of of being outed for something you're not, whether that's a bigot or a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe or any number of accusations people could levy against you, is uh, is very enticing to in t- to toe the line. So you're not called those things. Yeah, and I think we saw it in uh, <clears throat> in broader society over the last two years as well. Like that that almost fundamentalism of compliance made itself very clear over the past two years and how successful they've been at programming people because a lot of stuff that the government has said and done over the past two and a half years or so has been absolutely ludicrous, just right. no, absolute nonsense. And people, uh, you know, in, in, well, a lot of people just accepted it right off the bat, which I think those people are, are NPCs. I don't think those are even real people, but <laughs> a lot of people in, in, in the medicine community and education and policing and the military, they just accepted this stuff because they were afraid of what the consequences were. And these are people who are typically, especially the police and military side who are typically, uh, risk takers, right? Otherwise they wouldn't be in those jobs. They are very frequently independent thinkers, contrary to popular belief. The military isn't just a bunch of fucking yes men, or it wasn't until recently anyways, but because they had been trained institutionally 
for throughout their entire lives to accept a certain level of authority over their day-to-day lives, it was easier to manipulate them into doing something that they knew they shouldn't do. You know what I mean? And right. that, that's a big right. fucking problem for me. Like, you know, as well as I do, especially in the military and especially when, when things start to get, when, when, when the power vacuum starts to get really high, uh, it's really important for people on the ground, sergeants and field grade officers to say no when an order doesn't make sense to protect their own people, to protect the mission, to protect our fucking country. And there was nobody there to say no this time. It's very worrying for me. Well, I, I was writing some things down, like why, <clears throat> why somebody would obey an order they know is unequivocally wrong. And, and I would say this is they lack, how, how should I say it? They, they lack independence, maybe mm. is the best way to say it. I wrote down here that they have no skills, they have no prospects, they have no money, and they have no values. Right. And if you are devoid of a skill set, other prospects, money, like financial acumen and, and a spine or some values that you operate your life by, then you're forced to say yes. You're forced to comply because you have no other option. You know, and that, that's why a, a police officer who's, who's asked to enforce some, some things maybe they don't like. And it's like, well, you know, I don't get to make the laws that I enforce. Right. You don't, but you get to decide whether or not you, you work there. Well, Ryan, I've got a mortgage. I've, I've got bills. I've got a family. Look, I know. So do I. So does just about everybody. Is it, is it, is it okay that you're just making it by that you're, you're, you have to sacrifice your principles because you have to make your mortgage payment. I mean, I get it. I understand, but let's not put ourselves in that position. Mm. So that if we ever are forced or even just asked to compromise ourselves, we're not in the position because we do have other skill sets. Yeah. We do have prospects. We do have financial acumen and, and abundance set aside. We do have values. We do have a network. This goes right into what you're talking about with, with your the values that you sent over to me mm. or the principles rather. Like now, now I, ha- I, ha- I had an advisor once call it um, an, an FU fund. Mm-hmm. And he had literally had a million dollars set aside in a, in bank accounts. wasn't earning any, just bank accounts. And I said, why that much money? He's like, so at any time, if I'm ever asked to compromise my values or jeopardize my, my beliefs, I can flip somebody off and say, screw you. Cause they had the ability to do that over here on the side. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, I, it's also kind of a slippery slope too, right? Like if you, if right now in this moment to avoid, some marginal discomfort or let's call it even uh, a major discomfort to your life. You're willing to compromise your principles. Every time you do something like that, it gets easier to do it again. Right. Mm. And setting a precedent. Yeah. And then, and then not only that, but the other side, the, the, the coercive side now has the expectation that you can be coerced. Right. So it's like, there's nothing stopping them from trying again and trying with a, a larger degree uh, of pressure against you and, and to get you to do something far worse. You know what I mean? Um, well, I, I have some experience in that, you know, cause I was talking about it earlier with the things I'm figuring out about myself mm-hmm. and you know, I'm trying to be as, as authentic or transparent as I can be in this is one of the things that I personally do is I really seek external validation. Like I, I crave that external that I didn't think I did but clearly I do. And, um, I do it to the degree where I'm not even willing to a identify my own personal boundaries or b uphold my personal boundaries. And so it's no wonder that if we don't have boundaries that we're able to communicate and enforce with other people, whether that's your spouse or your children or coworkers or complete strangers, and that's where it starts. Mm. Like, why, why wouldn't you do that? And for me, it's because of external validation. So if, if I'm, I want to come on this podcast because I want to be friends with you and, and, and I want the notoriety, the acumen, or I want you to think a certain way of me and you show up 15 minutes late, if I'm so worried about this external validation, I'm going to be like, oh, it's okay. Like 15 minutes late, no big deal. Mm. No, man, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like I got other stuff I've got to do. 
you know, I, I show up on time. You say this time I show up, you, you we, we take an hour or whatever the agreed upon time. Cause I value myself enough that I have other things to do. And I've, I've canceled podcasts with people that I would love to have a podcast with because they're like, Hey man, like I'm going to be late. I only have a half an hour. No deal. Yeah. I decline. Yeah. Same. Like, well, I just, I'm like, well, you can reschedule and I give people an opportunity. Yeah. Like let's reschedule. I get it. Things come up, but I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to devalue what I do because you can't manage your schedule correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's a boundary that I have. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but so many of us don't have those. And I know like we're talking about it on the podcast at a greater level, but if you can't do it at a personal level, like nothing else really matters. Now setting those boundaries though, is a function of having the, uh, of having the, the safety net that you described. And it's not a safety net that anybody's going to provide for you having skills and prospects and uh, a set of principles and a good network and, uh, uh, you know, uh, healthy finance capabilities. That's all stuff you got to do yourself. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, some people are going to read, uh, the, the lack of the lack of patience, maybe if you want to call it that, um, as maybe rude or, or whatever the fuck. But in reality, this is the, this is what the social contract is. Everybody knows the rules and you're expected to follow the rules. And, And you know, if you can't, then that's too bad. And if you, if things don't go well that day, if I'm able to, sometimes, you know, maybe I'll make an exception, uh, sure. uh if, if the, if the cause makes sense, but I've had people, <clears throat> um, show up late and, um, expect to still be able to get what they want out of the deal right now. That's right. a problem or people who have people who have, uh, who have canceled multiple times on short notice. They're now, off my list forever. Like I'll never book that yeah. person. Um, and right. it's, and it's not about being a dick. It's about th- like, you have to have these, it's like having walls on your house. You have to have these foundational principles to, to, to hold the weight up, to keep the shit out. You know what I mean? That's how it works. And I don't think you said lack of patience and I could see how it'd be interpreted that way. But honestly, that's a bit of a, a, a weak interpretation of people think that. Mm-hmm. And, and I've felt that way before. Like, I have been intimidated by others because they're so sure of themselves and they have their personal boundaries and they don't let those things be crossed. And then I interpret it because I'm insecure as being a dick or being an asshole or being an impatience. And really that's not it at all. Like let's take the podcasting thing. Okay. If, if, if you show up half an hour late and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. Cause I only have a half an hour. Cause I've got another meeting that mm-hmm. I committed to. Okay. That like, not only am I honoring myself by keeping to my schedule, I'm actually trying to honor you because I want to have an hour with you. Mm -hmm. Like I want to give you an hour on my platform to share your message and I'm honoring you. And so by cutting it short, not only am I dishonoring my boundaries and myself, I'm dishonoring you and the product, by the way, which is kind of the point in the first place, the audience, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's for sure. Th- it's ultimately about the work product. Um, you know, like you, you want to do a deal with somebody and you're like, well, this is my capability and okay. On my side, this is my need. Do they match up? No. All right. No hard feelings. That's how it goes. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't make business deals like that. Right. Because it doesn't make any, well, if you do, you're a bad business person, so you shouldn't be making business deals like that. But it's very obvious in the business setting that I have a certain list of requirements um, and I'm going out to a vendor or whomever it is and trying to get them to fulfill it. And this vendor can't fulfill it. Hey, that's just the way it is, man. That's how life works. And very obvious in that scenario. But why, when we come back to social issues or our personal relationships or whatever it is, we don't seem to have the capability to apply that same logic that, hey, there's no hard feelings. This just isn't going to work out. You know what I mean? Because we're just overly sensitive, mm. I think. I think we're just, and again, it comes back to that external validation. Like, oh man, if I don't do this, they're going to think poorly of me. Yeah, they might actually. And look, yeah. I'm saying this and it's, but I fall into that trap all the time because mm. I'm looking for external validation. I'm like, oh, I don't want that guy to think poorly of me. Sure. So I'll just do it. But then the ironic thing is you actually 
end up thinking poorly of me because I don't uphold my boundaries. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, you may not like, say it out like if 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 I no. can, if I cancel because you're late, you might say, "Hey, that guy's like got a short fuse. He's kind of a dick. He's whatever." But if you and maybe that lasts for some amount of time or who or or whatever. But if you just let it go, then in the back of that person's mind, they know that you don't. You're not the kind of person that holds to a standard. You know what I mean? I, I think totally. that's an important thing. You know, most communication is nonverbal, 85 plus percent. Um, and it's the same. And, and whether it's business or whether it's uh, personal relationships or whatever the fuck, the, the way you behave and you, you uh, kind of hinted at it earlier about teaching your kids this uh, because I said so nonsense or do what I say, not what I do, man, that's never mm -hmm. going to fucking work. That's, that's, yeah. that is the weakest form of leadership is to just tell people what to do and not live that life yourself. I don't think it's even lead. I mean, look, we all fall into that trap. So let, I, I'm not trying to put myself on some pedestal. I don't belong, but mm. I don't, I don't think that's leadership. I think that's closer to tyranny or dictatorship sure. than it is leadership. Cause in order to lead people, ha people do have to follow you. That's an element of leadership, but they have to voluntarily do it. They have to have a say in the matter. Because if they don't have a say in the matter because you're holding something over their head, whether that's a paycheck or sex, you know, might be one with a spouse or wh whatever it, it could potentially be, you're not leading. You're just, you're, you're, you're di dictating over people. You're, you're a tyrant. Mm. And I wouldn't consider those individuals leaders. Well, that's, that's mostly what we have for uh, formal leaders in modern America, right? Obviously, I think everybody's pretty keenly aware of that. Sure. Uh, and it's not unique to one political side or the other either. They're all pretty much pieces of shit so far as I can tell. Um, now, from your perspective, what are some of the things, uh, we're, we're solution-based here, what are some of the things that people can do uh, to you know, shield themselves from experiencing a lot of this nonsense? What specifically? What what nonsense do you mean? Uh, poor leadership, but also Got personal it. weakness. I mean, I think I think those are kind of a uh, the if you if you're looking through a, a mirror, you know what I mean. The poor leadership is, you know, pretty much. It, or I'm sorry, the weak leadership and the personal weakness at the individual level. I think those are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would say the first thing, this goes back to something that we talked about earlier is you need to identify where you've let your borders or your boundaries collapse in the past. And, and that's a really easy way to determine it because where have you been frustrated in the past with other people? You know, like, like a great example would be, um, let's say today I had a, a lot of plans I needed to do today, but at the end of the day, I was so frustrated with my kids because they kept barging into my office mm. and they were asking me a bunch of questions and I couldn't get my work done. And then I ended up blowing a fuse and yelling at them. Okay. Like what's the real problem? Is it your kids? No, they're kids, man. Mm. They, they have questions. They want to ask you questions. They love you. They want to spend time with you. They want to see what you're doing. They're curious. They're kids. Okay. The real problem is that you didn't have a boundary in place. And so one thing I do is I have this little plaque that goes on my door and it's a little do not disturb sign. And if that's on my door, because I've talked about it, my kids know that I'm probably doing something pretty important. It could be a podcast or I'm deeply engaged in, in doing something. If my door, if that thing is not on there, my door is closed, they can knock. If they knock and I answer, they can come in. If they knock and I don't answer, it means I can't answer it because I'm doing something. If it's open, free range, come on in. They know that because I've established that and I've talked about it with them. So what I would suggest to somebody, if they're worried about, are their boundaries being crossed? If you're getting bothered throughout the day or, or you notice at the end of the day, you're very frustrated with other people, it's likely that those people aren't the problem and that you are. And you need to figure out why you're frustrated and what boundary you think should be there, but you haven't done a good job identifying what it is and then enforcing it. Yeah, sure. And it's having like going through that process and having the uh, the conversation with the other party is going to produce one of two outcomes. One, you're both going to be clear right on what your expectation and their behavior should be or you're going to get some new perspective from them that explains why they were behaving that way. And that might've been something that you needed to know in the first place. Right. So, Definitely. Uh, you that know, may have been a misunderstanding. Yeah, correct. So that, that communication 
process is a win-win. And, you know, it's a function of we just have no tolerance at all for discomfort in, 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 yeah. in, in Western culture anymore. But having little simple conversations like that on the front end can save you so much ass ache on the back end. And if you think that, like I have, my, my, one of my Achilles heels is just to tolerate things because I'm used to being uncomfortable. I don't really care about that. That doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but it gets to a point where, all right, now I need you to shut the fuck up and get out of here because I got shit to do mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever, whatever the case is. But I'm so used to being uncomfortable that discomfort doesn't bother me to a degree that I don't do the extra bit of discomfort and, and say, hey, here's what I need from you, you know, in a very blunt way. Uh, right. that, that's, that's always been my Achilles heel. Cause I'm like my, my childhood was bullshit. And then I was in the military. So it's like, all right, cool. I can, I can deal with this. And I, you know, maybe you can, I think it's a good, uh, like, it's important to know that about yourself that you can absorb a lot of bullshit, but it's also too important to understand that you're a human being. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's, there's going to be a diminishing return on that at some point. And you need to kind of, you know, set some boundaries. Well, and I think there is, there are moments where we ought to show some grace, like, Mm -hmm. uh, tolerating bullshit, for example, you know, if you've got a friend who's dealing with a hardship in his life, Mm -hmm. like maybe you, maybe you don't need to keep those boundaries as intact. It's like, it's midnight, you know, it's 2am and you get a call from a buddy and that buddy's never called you at 2am. It's like, all right, my sleep's important, but something's up here. So yeah, I'm going to put, I'm going to pull the wall down for a minute. Cause this is a buddy of mine, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's other things. I had a, I had a friend come over, uh, just dropped by unannounced at my place a couple of weeks ago, which is fine. No problem. You know, I was outside dropped by unannounced. Cool. Glad to see him. Um, but it was getting close to dinner, dinner time. And I really like to sit down with my family and eat dinner. Mm-hmm. And so we were shooting the breeze, talking about hunts, talking about this and that nothing serious, nothing in depth, just talking. Right looked at my watch. I'm like, Oh, I know it's dinner time. I'm like, Hey man, I'd love to sit here and chat a little bit, but dinner's important to me with my family. So let's catch up tomorrow or whatever. If you have a question or need anything, let me know. I'm going to go have dinner. Like people can't do that because yeah. they don't respect themselves enough. It's like, no, I, sure. I made a kill. And, and the problem is it's like, not only it's not really about them. It's you're doing a disservice to your family that you yeah, said yeah. you're going to have dinner with. And by the too. way, by the way, your buddy, like no, none of our friends are going to be, but like we, the, for some reason we think people are going to be butthurt about that. Nobody, no, none of your friends are going to be like, Oh, you want to spend time with your family? Well, fuck you, dude. Yeah, like you nobody, yeah. nobody would ever respond that way. No sane no. person, no, nobody that we would hang out with anyways would ever respond that way. But in the back of our head, it's just like, well, I don't want to be rude to this guy. It's so I'll be rude to this. So I'm going to be rude to my people. entire family, the people that I'm actually right. here on earth for. That doesn't make any sense at all, but it's very, it happens all the time. Right. Unless you're like well, on the, the lookout for that. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is not only are they not going to be bothered by that, they're actually going to be inspired by that. Sure. Yeah. They're going to be like, Oh dude, I I'm no problem. I actually need to be better about that myself. And yeah, you're right. It is dinner time. I better get home and be with my family because yeah. that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I <laughs> so think it's you actually inspire people to have a spine. I actually think that's one of the things um, of all the good work that's being done on the masculinity front from, you know, outdoorsmanship to, uh, you know, just philosophy centered around masculinity. One of the things that really needs to happen is more people making it cool to be dads. You know what I mean? Mm, like we've got yeah. a, we've got a, a, a fatherless dad or I'm sorry, a fatherless little boy problem in America right now. That's manifesting itself in a lot of different ways from gang violence to mass shooting to suicide. And they're all symptoms of the same disease. It's an un, untailored, uncontrolled, uneducated and untrained masculinity this, this underlying rage that's designed by nature to make sure that we can protect what's important to us. But when, when it doesn't have direction and guidance and purpose and training, then it unleashes and very un, unpredictable sometimes, but uh, often violent ways as well. And violent and self-destructive ways and violent um, self-destructive. Yeah. A lot of uh, substance abuse yep. issues, alcoholism, sure. which is something I've dealt with. Yep. Um, but the solution to it is as simple as prioritizing male children, not not yeah. over not over female children. I just mean making no. sure that young male, like you and I, didn't really have good male role models growing up. 
but found them along the way, luckily, right? Military helps, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would say that you and I might be exceptions to that rule. You know what I mean? Like Probably. Mo- yeah, lot, probably. Most of the people I know, actually, you know, it's a really interesting thing. One of the most uh, common traits of uh, an operator in the special, for- special operations community is uh, they didn't have a good relationship with their dad or their dad wasn't around, right? So mm. people who are alpha who realize that they're not getting that mentorship and go seek it out, right? But that's not common. Obviously, uh, operators aren't very common. It's few and far between. And we've really allowed, oh Lost your lights. Yeah, one of my light went out. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll just finish in the dark. How about that? I'll turn the Perfect. brightness on my screen up. That's not going to work. It's going to get weird. It's oh. going to go back to Drinking Bros podcast yeah. and getting weird. Finish in the dark and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, maybe. Shit. Um, anyways, yeah. So it's like um, just refocusing efforts on that, making being a dad to your little boy cool again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It used to be a thing. Well, and that, that but also in the community too. I, I haven't been as good at this, and, I, and I'm actually anxious to get back involved with, with coaching sports admittedly um, I've got so inundated with my business and become a little distracted with my business that I've failed in that department. So uh, I want to get back to coaching my kids as sports teams, but not only coaching them, but all the other little boys who don't have dads who um, don't have a male presence at home where they can actually be influenced positively by just having a coach in their life. You know, boy scouts was used to be, it's not anymore. It's kind of, we talked about that earlier, boy scouts, but um, you know, it's, it's lost a lot of its principled approach, but that, that was something that I spent time in boy Scouts and I had great, great male leaders, sports, mm. military, you know, these are all ways that we can step up and serve. Um, you know, even, even if you don't have a son, I, I, somebody said, uh, sent me a message. This was probably like a year ago. And they said, my daughter's dating this guy and he's a jerk and he's this and he's that or whatever, whatever. He's a young kid and he's, full of himself. And what should, what should I do to convince my daughter? I'm like, actually, what should you do to influence your potential future son? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. like you can try to talk your dad, your daughter out of dating this guy, but at the end of the day, why not be a father to him? Cause yeah. he is going to be your son. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can put your arm around his shoulder and squeeze his shoulder is, is, you know, his trap a little bit and get after him and mm-hmm. say, Hey man, come on now. Like, what are we going to do here? Let's get you going. Yeah, and I actually always, father to the young man. I always say the same thing about, like, uh, the bullying issue has been on everybody's mind in America for some time now. And I think we've we've made some pretty critical errors in the way we approached it. Uh, the first thing that we fucked up was treating the victim like a victim because that doesn't help anybody. Um, mm-hmm. you're, yeah. you're a parent of multiple children. You know that if a toddler falls down and you rush over to console them, they're going to cry more for the attention. You know what I mean? Of course. Uh, they're going to yeah. become less resilient as a human being because of that. Um, now I'm not saying you should ignore victims. You should certainly walk over to them, uh, and say, Hey, you're good. All right. Carry on. Uh, back but, to it. but I believe the more important part of that process is to walk over to the bully and say, Hey bud, what's up? Why are you doing this? Because nobody mm. does that shit for no reason, right? That, right. That, that aggression doesn't manifest itself like that without some kind of impetus. It's just the way human beings work. And that kid is either going to turn into a, a, a net positive or net negative for society. And anytime you witness that and have the ability to interdict and mentor a little bit and comfort and maybe solve some problems for them, you've now created a force multiplier because I guarantee you somebody that gets that kind of attention and pulls themselves out of that shit will do it for other people. That's how it works. Yeah. 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 I like that idea of force multiplier and that's the legacy. I mean, that's even this weekend as we're doing it's called, our events called legacy event. It's like, mm. how do you take what you know and take your experiences positive and negative and turn those into positive influences for your children and then who they go out and impact and how do they affect the world? And that's goes back to the principle you're talking about is adding more than you, than you take away produce mm. versus consume. Like yep. we're all consumers sure. and there's nothing wrong with consumption, but you should always put more back into the system than you take out of it. Otherwise it's just not sustainable, right? 100%. You can only do that for so long. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know you got to get out of here and take your kids to the fair. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with Yanni's before you roll? 
tell them where they can find no, you, man, I just, find the book and stuff. Yeah. Masculinity manifesto is the book. Um, again, I'm realizing I didn't write it for you. I wrote it for myself, um, but maybe you'll get some benefit from it. It's called the masculinity manifesto. It comes out on the 27th of September. Um, outside of that, you can find me on all the socials at order of man or at Ryan Mickler. Great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you all listening. This has been Citizen. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big-